Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Is Phoebe a big plant girl? Oh, so into plants. We went to the plant store yesterday, and she was like, what do you think of this one? And I looked. They all looked the same. I was like, oh, yeah, he's great. <laughs> I love that one. That's That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> We're in like the we're in like the outdoor section of Lowe's, and she's like, "Wait, Juan, do you think I should get the the Dollar Tree? There's actually a Dollar Tree or a Money Tree, or do you think I should get this one?" I'm like, "I am really cold. I really just want to leave." Should I get the ficus or the fiddler? And she holds two identical plants up to me. Then I'm like, definitely <laughs> like, the one on the left. And she goes, I was thinking the one on the right. And you were like, like, you know what? You're right. That's yeah, exact. I nah, was wrong. I saw it in the wrong light. And now I, just, I think it's the best. Yeah. Now I'm just changing my mind because I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was another guy in the plant store who was just following his girlfriend around. We made eye contact and gave the nod to each other. It's like <laughs> There's so much communicated in that moment. Like I can, I can, this is one of my favorite Dave Ramsey quotes. Okay. He's like, Doing the accent. I can. What do it in the I, can stand. <laughs> I can stand. I can. I can stand. I can stand up on stage and do talks all day, but that that changes immediately when my wife and I walk into a Macy's. I'm like, I need to find a bench. I need to sit down. <laughs> That's how I feel when I'm shopping with Phoebe. I'm like, I need to sit down. I am so tired. Welcome to The Crunch, the only podcast that knows what a ficus is. It's your boy, Ethan. And I'm Patrick. We were just doing joking off camera about how we did not know what a ficus was. And so yeah. I figured that this is a great bit for all the guys out there who got to go to the plant store with their ladies. I like love going I just to the plant did. store with my lady. I love going to the plant store with my lady too, but there's no place that I feel less informed about the world. Maybe if I walked <laughs> into a mosque. I would feel about the same like, as I do I don't know what's going on. walking into a plant store. It's like, is there? do I need to bow? Is there a ritual? Do I need to sit somewhere special? Am I allowed to be here? Is my head allowed to be uncovered? <laughs> do I need to take this large, large leaf and put it over my head? Because if so, <laughs> someone needs to tell me. Someone with wire-framed glasses and, and high-waisted jeans needs to tell me what to do immediately. <laughs> Teresa Boa walks in. Hello. Hello. I work at the plant store. <laughs> All right. That was a spot on Teresa. I know. She's really got that accent in real life. When are we when are we doing that Dungeons and Dragons crunch thing? I, I a listener Ooh. a listener emailed us and said that he would be our DM if you, me, Teresa, and other people wanted to do a a D and D campaign. A I, short episodic D and D campaign. The only 
we'd have to make Teresa sign a contract that she can only make one joke for every three of our jokes if we were to do that. <laughs> Otherwise, it would be Teresa's Dungeons and Dragons podcast, and then we would be guests. Just there, you know? Yeah, we would just be participating in a comedy whirlwind that she produced and created herself. If we did this, I would want it to be something that we did in person. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But how? who's going to pay for that? Who's going to pay for that? I mean, Teresa and I live in the same area of the country. But I don't. You and Emma can drive up, and then we can make Phoebe play, and then Phoebe and Emma can feel like we feel in a FICA store. <laughs> <laughs> I did. But I, for three hours. For three hours. We were in there for half an hour, and I was laying on the ground dying, <laughs> saying, water me. I made it. I did strike a deal with Emma the other day. I said, I'll go, because she used to dance. She was a elite dancer like one mm-hmm. prizes has all these trophies all these medals was a phenomenal dancer like the the fancy kind not like the hip-hop or anything like that <laughs> not the newfangled kind not that newfangled kind um and so we made an agreement she wants when the ballet opens back up she wants to go to the ballet to see the mm-hmm. ballet dancers i said sure i'll go but we have to go when when wwe comes into town we have to go to that 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 is my <laughs> trade that i'm offering you I don't even like WWE. That's the only thing I can think of that's on that same level of her enjoyment to my enjoyment and her discomfort to my discomfort. And I think that's like the perfect ratio that I've struck with that deal. I feel very proud of it. A couple of years ago, Phoebe wanted for Christmas, she really wanted to go see the Nutcracker. And so we went to go see the Nutcracker at uh, at the the Houston Ballet. But I found this fun fact that for... For some ballerinas or dansoirs, as the men are known, not ballerinos. Is that, are, they, are they called dansoirs or are you just saying dancer funny? Dansoir. Okay. That's how you say it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they, st- they spend like two to four hours a day on point. Yeah. Could That's you imagine? Nuts. I can't imagine spending two to four hours a day holding a ballpoint pen. <laughs> Let alone being on point. Let, let alone being on point. That would be so... Your calves. Calves. And your toes. Like I... Your abdomen. Like I get your a, whole body. My foot cramps when I when I sit on the toilet for too long. <laughs> and I'm not even... There's no pressure there. It's just... He's just there. Have you ever tried to be on point? Oh, yeah. Phoebe's sister does ballet and she tried yeah. to teach me how to do it. And it was so difficult. Because there's a, sp- it's not just point like s- flexing it. There's like, pro- oh, you have to curl your toes in a certain way and all sorts. Of, oh I don't, yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Ballerinas' feet are mangled, disgusting, grody things. Yeah, they have to like, they have to like chalk them up and like tape them. Yeah, it's like like, have like you ever powerlifters seen, do. Have you ever seen pictures of LeBron James's feet? <laughs> no. So, so the two grossest <laughs> professional feet are ballerinas and professional basketball players. Like really? NBA players have the weirdest, grossest looking feet out of anybody. Because I don't because they're just they're so overgrown, like humans aren't supposed to be that big, but they yeah. just are. And they're they're, you know, running and running and running and jumping and turning and spinning and all sorts of things. And their feet just like turn into Decepticons. Like they're just, just <laughs> disgusting mangles. They've just what, got monster trucks. Once beautiful, pristine piggies you know aren't Shaq's feet like size 23 yeah Shaq's feet are huge Shaq is a big dude was it you that showed me what Shaq looks like when he he grows his hair out <laughs> no 
apparently he lost a bet and had to let his hair grow out and his hairline is like below the second half of his head like it's very his hairline is very much gone um but he's also huge so no one would Shaq, be able to see Shaq is hilarious if you don't know anything about the nba um or don't follow it at all look up some some Shaq and chuck Shaq and charles barkley highlights from inside the nba the tv show it's some of the funniest stuff that you'll ever see so i i actually i actually have some some pretty interesting news you and charles barkley are starting a business yes we're starting a business where i try and figure out who charles barkley is you don't know who charles barkley is barely so we um (laughs) we we come from different backgrounds okay uh we're both white (laughs) you're right uh so <laughs> but I'm from Florida which is a different place. It's a d- very it's a different country. kind of white. Oh. You're li- you're in the it's a you're, it's a very different kind of white. Yeah, Midwest white and Florida white are two different two things. Two different kinds of white. Florida white is different than South white. Like it's just yes. it's it's Florida yes. white is its own kind of white person. Florida is the kind of state that if the United States was not the United States and if Florida was a country, Florida would be the kind of country that everyone would just kind of leave alone. Yeah. And like nobody would trade with it. And nobody uh-huh. would recognize its king. And we don't even need it. <laughs> Florida yeah. is the whales of America. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Name your cities whatever you want. Just don't come over. Just stay <laughs> don't there. Don't do it. <laughs> Please leave. Leave us alone. Um, I love Florida so much. It's so beautiful. Anyway. It's so, so hot. So my good news, remember remember at the beginning of the year when we did our New Year's resolutions, flashback yeah. to New Year's resolutions? I think Biden's going to win the um, win the presidency. Really? Yeah. That's bold. TikTok will fall. Yes. The Walt Disney Corporation will buy NBC. Yeah. I am almost done so when when this when this podcast goes up i will have completed my 100th book of the year yay we're all very very excited we're all very happy yes i'm happy for you took me 11 months Uh, that's not bad what's your 100th book going to be it's called before church and state it's by dr andrew willard jones it's a very good book it's about i've heard about that i think i may have talked about it it's about how um, historians read our modern distinctions between the church and the state back onto medieval history and how that limits our understanding of the relationship between the kings and the pope. All right. Well, another book I got to add to my freaking thrift books wish list. <laughs> this, it, this thing gets longer by the day. I know. It's just we're up here on the podcast. We're just, you know, handing out book wrecks. Uh, handing out I book finished. wrecks left and right. You got to give me... Uh, adding power to the book recs list okay yeah sure i think you have a login so i can just teach you how to do it it's not a big yeah could you teach me how to use our website (laughs) yeah sure um but yeah so i'm finished i'm finishing this one i'm i'm almost done i'm almost done with dante's divine comedy i'm two-thirds of the way done i finished purgatory a couple of days ago i wanted the paradiso to be my last book of the year but that would have been very poetic it would have been very poetic so um but no it's not it's not going to be number 100 yeah, so in a year that's felt like an inferno, what better way to end than on a paradiso? It's been super beautiful though, and also when you're writing an essay and you just whip out a line from Dante, you seem really cultured. You you seem like the kind of guy. I just watched Bishop Barron posted a video today on his five favorite books, and I was listening to it in the background while I was doing some other stuff. 
and he talks about how T.S. Eliot, who I've just been recently been made aware of, because apparently this this is a deep dive. I've also been trying to read books. I've read as many books this year as I have. I'm on my 22nd book of the year, which is not not nearly as many as 100, but I'm I've been training. It's along. okay. That's true. I'm further. I'm like where you were four years ago. And so it's just <laughs> I'm I'm trying to catch up. Uh, I read this book by Ian M. Banks called Consider Phlebas. And I wouldn't recommend it if you aren't into science fiction, but I read it because it's the beginning of this series. And there was no character in the book named Phlebas. And this always happens with science fiction is that they name their books after some esoteric reference to literature that I should actually be reading instead of science fiction. And apparently (laughs) Phlebas is a character in a T.S. Eliot poem. And so I know about T.S. Eliot, but anyway, Bishop Barron was talking about T.S. Eliot saying that Dante and Shakespeare, uh, T.S. Eliot said that they were the two greatest writers in the English language, and there's no third one. It's the first is Shakespeare, second is Dante, and that's it. Like, Dante, Dante wrote in Italian. Say again? Dante maybe wrote. It was two, maybe it was two best modern writers. Yeah, I think. Uh, so, yeah, T.S. Eliot, I, I think might have it's on the back of my copy. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it says Dante and Shakespeare divide the world between them. There is no third. Yeah, there you go. That's what it is. Good job. Thank you for making up for my mistakes. You got it. But did you uh, know that a fourth of the a fourth of uh, Shakespeare's poems no longer rhyme because of the way that translation that the way that uh, pronunciation of English words has changed? How did English used to be pronounced? So can we the can word, we start changing it again now? The word "proved" used to be pronounced "proved," and so it rhymed with "loved," and so I think in one of his sonnets he rhymes "proved" with "loved." And uh, yeah, so those words don't rhyme anymore. Can I? I just want to start changing the names of of letter sounds to whatever I want. Like <laughs> the ch sound is no longer ch; it's now kang. Kang. And so now, anytime you want to pronounce a word, catechism has catechism. Raise your hand if you always start the C-H, you try to spell catechism starting with the C-H instead of just a C, and then you forget the C-H in the middle, because that's me. It's And then it's an empty auditorium with just Patrick raising his hand. <laughs> it's just me. I still haven't I still haven't figured out how to spell the word definitely. Um, all right. So, uh, you, are you ready to hop into the hot take time machine? I am, actually. Good. Thanks for asking. Welcome to the hot take time machine. machine. (laughs) I was really going to, I thought it was me. I thought I was going to do it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. (laughs) Welcome to the hot take time machine. The part of the show where we take a look back at the prime of our social media posting. If you have a hot take five years or older, send it in to patrick.com forward slash crunch. (laughs) That's Patrick at the crunchcast.com. Uh, Patrick, take us away with your hot take time machine. All right, this this hot take comes from uh, Maggie. Shout out Maggie. She said, here's my hot take. For reference, Anna is my sister. Uh, I posted this when I was 15, so I couldn't drive yet, and my sister would drive me because we're both in high school. Um, and she posted, when Anna hands me the aux cord, and it's just a picture of a flaming car. Which is great because that was the peak of humor then. Yeah. But now it's like, oh, you did an ox cord fire joke. Yeah. Really? <laughs> and she goes, I don't remember what songs I would play, but I feel like it was Iggy Azalea. <laughs> Yikes. What's, I, what's Iggy Azalea up to these what's days? What's she doing? I feel like I had, uh, uh, I think I also had an elevated 
uh idea of what my mu- of my taste in music you know i had like an aggrand a self-aggrandized view of my taste in music i was like man my taste in music is so like unique and edgy yeah i think anybody with who listened to anything that was different than their three closest friends thought that they were the most the, the, they were they could own a record shop with how diverse their music taste was <laughs> like I want to write for Pitchfork because I listened to Daft Punk when all of my friends were listening to Big Sean, you know, like no thanks actually. Um, So Amethyst Amelia Kelly, known by her stage name as Iggy Azalea. Girl, you have a stage name for a name. Her name, if, if your name was Amethyst, why would you need a stage name? Why do you need a stage name? Known for her, known for her two songs. I'm not gonna say this. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Then she, then she got fancy, and then she was mm-hmm. on that Ariana Grande song. Boom and boom, 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 boom. With these hits, time? she joined the Beatles as the only musician to rank at number one and two simultaneously. Oh gosh, what was the other song besides Fancy? Problem. And oh, then Black right. Widow. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember back in like 2000 and all of the 2010s, where every every popular song was just like, dum da da dum bum bum, bum bum, dee dee dum, and like it was just that over and over and over again. And then a different new rapper would come up and rap over that same kind of beat for like a couple months, and then we get tired of them, and then a new one would come up. And it was like you had Fetty Wap, you had Iggy Azalea, you had Big Sean, you had all these people, and it was uh, it was just a weird time, a weird time in music. I remember Macklemore took a picture with Iggy Azalea, and someone posted the king, of, the king and queen of hip hop, and then uh, Black Twitter got a very upset, and uh, understandably so. <laughs> the king and queen of that's the, <laughs> the only two white rappers you could think of <laughs> are the king Listen. and queen of hip hop. I know that I'm Midwest white, but even I know that's that, just that's not, not true. true. <laughs> yes. Uh, apparently, in, in in 2020 of June 2020, she gave birth to a son. So congratulations! Oh, congratulations, Iggy Azalea. Thank you for supporting Verify 2020. You hear that? Whoever made whoever made our there's, they're still counting votes. Pat. Still we counting got a votes. chance. We got a chance. <laughs> We're getting verified one way or the other. Uh, would you like to hear my hot take? I would. Here it comes. <clears throat> so this is very fitting uh, because this past Sunday was the feast of Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. And I don't know if this tweet was necessarily in reference to that. It probably was, given how specific my my parlance was. But uh, here it goes. It's from November 20th, 2016. From Apropostle, it says, Jesus Christ, King of the Universe, humbles himself to be present in the Eucharist, and I can't even get a text back SMH. <laughs> That's evergreen Tw- content. 22 retweets, 119 likes, and I'm so <laughs> mad that I tweeted this. I love it. I'm so upset. <laughs> this is why you had 1,000 followers. It is. More than it me. is why, but I just, it doesn't, that's not me anymore. That's not who I am. What that's cost? not who I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> what cause? I sold my soul for likes. I sold my faith. I turned my faith into something consumable. Oh. I slapped it on a lunchbox. Oh. I, I sold it. We didn't even, I didn't even stop to think if I should. I Jurassic Parked the faith to get followers <laughs> on Twitter. 
Oh, jeez. Do you have a topic? I do. I do. Did you ever read that article that I sent you? What article? Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. Probably. Oh, oh dear. Well, I really think you would have liked it. What article did you send it's, me? It's it's uh it's called In Praise of the Gods. Oh yes, I looked at it and then I said this is far too long. What the rationalistic world forgot? It's not that long. It's like a short essay. Oh wait, yes, I read much of it and I read ab- about how like they were planning on taking down the Paris Row House apartments and putting up like these, yes. these terrifying yeah, looking yeah, yeah, yeah. blocks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you read that you read that far and then I you read quit. that far, yeah, and then I quit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I'm gonna go on a bit of a I'm gonna take you on a bit of a journey. Uh, because I read, so I found this article from Catching Foxes because somebody, I think it was Luke, posted it on their Patreon page. And I clicked it and I read it and I was very much taken by the perspective of this guy. He was writing in a way that cut through a lot of the, I guess you could say that a lot of modern online Catholic writers have kind of the same angle, you know? Sure. Um, What's that? And maybe maybe you can chime in on this. It's like, oh, we're gonna live liturgically, which means that we're gonna, you know, celebrate solemnities, but also we're gonna live liturgically and make sure that we watch all of the Mandalorian when it comes out. And like we're still kind of in tune with like the world's rhythm of of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's there's not it it it's an attempt at an integration. And it's very relatable to people. Um, And even we'd probably do... I'm not saying that I'm absolved from this, but, like, it's very easy to just, like, have your faith, but then also, like, I really like football and movies and and music and all this other stuff. Um, And it's kind of a cheapening of, like, how distinct living a virtuous life can actually be. Do you kind of get what I'm getting at here? Yes. Okay. So, and I don't want to call anybody out in particular because that's useless because we all do this because we're all part of products of the culture. But I, I read this article from this guy. It's, his name is Simon Saris, and I'm going to post it in the, in the, what do you call it, description. But he talks about how rationality is this thing that's ruining uh, a lot of aspects of our lives. So that's like, that's where I first kind of got into it so he talks about like the idea of the environment and that's where you get the paris like this guy in paris wanted to redesign like all these beautiful paris uh apartments and buildings the city of paris has a very distinct look and architecture to it in their apartment blocks and some guy wanted to tear it all down in the 20s and build these horrendous favela style tall buildings that are just communist garbage like they don't look good at all um and he, t- he talks about environment and about how when we get so over-rationalized about everything, everything that was considered historic or artistic kind of floats away and everything becomes very functional. Like a house yeah. just becomes a summary, uh, uh, an amalgam of all of the things that you know are supposed to go into a house. 
you know, you have this many bedrooms and this much square footage and, and, uh, this, this kind of heating ductwork and this kind of air conditioning and this, these kinds of roofing and all this stuff. It just becomes a, a summary of everything that you know is meant to be in a house. Cause that's what rationalism tells you. But his argument was we're losing art and we're losing the virtue that art brings, I guess would kind of be how I summarize his whole, th- he, I have a lot of articles that I'm probably going to reference that he wrote. Um, but he's, I've, I'm going to read this section from the, uh, from this article in praise of the gods. He says, art once surrounded us, our gathering places were the very daemon of art. I don't know how to say that. D-A-E-M-O-N. Do you know how to say that, Patrick? Nope. Daemon of art, and we were part of them. These still exist in some cities and villages as the plaza or the historic center. If we built more of them, we would not have to use that word. The buildings still cared for the places where people can gather and work openly together. Now, this is a great part. Most people's experience of art is now much smaller because their conception of art is smaller. The largest scale art that they may interact with daily is a fancy rug or perhaps a movie on a screen or a print from art.com. <laughs> people, a th- people a thousand years ago walked among squares with marble sculptures, domes, stone arcades, and past village churches with gardens kept by the clergy that lived there. As a matter of life, some walked through what constituted art on the scale that people today, even very rich people, may never experience. Penthouse decorations are a poverty compared to a peasant walking daily under the stone arcades to the marketplace or children witnessing daily the blacksmith work magic with iron and flame. Modern art is a trinket compared to the ancient man's solace of cathedrals and temples. And I've just, I was reading this and it was speaking to something that I feel all the time. Yes. Like when I'm dry and I don't want this to be like, Oh, everything was better in the past. Like that's stupid and not what we're here for. But I was driving through my girlfriend lives in but Edmond, art Oklahoma. almost certainly was that's yes that is true <laughs> and we'll get we'll circle back this is my last thought but I I drive through Edmond Oklahoma which is a suburb very similar to lots of other suburbs very safe area you know everything you could want like right outside of Emma's apartment there's a Chick-fil-a and a Raising Cane's and a Target and a Walmart and an Old Navy and a Ross dress for less and uh all all like everything you could like clothing food whatever it's all right here you know shopping retail uh a hospital you know like it's all like within 10 minutes and i i draw i was driving through recently going to another person's house to stay with because i do not cohabitate with my girlfriend um and i was just looking at all of the buildings and everything that i was driving by and it was all just chains and even the things that were let, not like the Sonics and the Wendy's, even the things that were smaller, like they were still, they have multiple places around town, like the restaurants and these kinds of things. And all of the buildings look kind of the same. Um, like you have this kind of building for a business building and you have this kind of building for apartment. Have you ever been downtown to a new downtown area recently and seen the quote unquote nice apartments? They all look the same. They all look yeah, like garbage. We got, like we they're got, all boxy got. and stuff. Phoebe and I have been been making fun of this uh, this new this new these two office buildings that just popped up uh, near our house, and the sign out outside says the revolutionary new office is here, and I'm like <laughs> it's just a box it's with a windows, box. and like some of the box is coming out of the box, and some yes. of it is closer into the side of the box, and there's more windows. That's it. But That's, it's but it's sleek, but it's clean. Patrick. Yeah, and it's That's like, it's funny because it's like. There's all these windows, and I'm like, oh, that's nice. They're letting in all this natural light. And they get to look out, and they get to see the Ikea. You know, it's like yeah. they get to see the 
the natural beauty of a big blue box with big mm-hmm. yellow letters on it. You know, it's like, what's mm-hmm. the point of having windows? It's just even more depressing. Yeah. And and so I was just having this moment driving through town, seeing all of these chains and all of this same stuff. And then combined with a lot of the things that this guy has been writing about, it's just been really making me think of like, we we talk about how America doesn't have a culture all the time, but we ignore like the very obvious signs of a lack of culture of just like everything is the same wherever you go like people don't really care where they live as long as it's in a place where you can get to a starbucks in five minutes and you can set up your internet connection and watch the same shows that you would watch when you were where you lived before you know like nothing about your life changes based on where you live which was not the case for almost all of human history you know yeah if you and moved I just think it was a big so deal. interesting St. Augustine says that if you, the world is a book and if you don't travel, you've only read one chapter. That's fair. Unless you live in the United States and you travel, you travel, it's like you travel to somewhere else in the United States and it's pretty much the same people talking about the the same same things. Mm -hmm. And that's that the other thing. So he has another post called familiarity and belonging, which I will also put in the description. And all this is going to build up to how I want to build my own house. (laughs) <laughs> so okay. I do want to, are we done talking about art? Cause I have something to say about art. We can talk, talk more about art. Yeah. 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 Jump okay. in. I thought Phoebe and I went to, to went to a, uh, an art museum. And so we were, we were like, we want to, we want to go to a museum cause they've opened back up and we're like, you know, they got, the they got, everybody's been waiting to open back up the they art got, museums. You know, the museums and we were like, museums are cool. We don't go to them often. We live near a big city. We live like 10 minutes from a large metro, a large metropolitan area. And so we should, we should go. And uh, I'm sure everybody got that Phineas and Ferb reference. And so we were like, which museum should we go to? The Carnegie Museum of Art or the Mattress Factory, which is like a, a modern <laughs> art museum. And both of them are like, both of them are like ones that I've heard of the Mattress Factory. And I was like, it's kind of interesting. We went to the Warhol Museum. The War- Andy Warhol is kind of cool. Like his art is pretty interesting. Uh, I think I think his art is interesting as modern art because it like kind of critiques modern art itself. Kind of like, th- yes. anyway. All the Campbell's cans. Yeah, it's Come like, on. that's great. It's It's like, oh, it's different, but it's the same. Um, I think that's interesting, but I, I think Warhol's cool, but we went to the mattress factory and it was a very interesting part of town to say the least. Uh, we passed by this place called Randy land, which is a guy that just painted his whole house. His whole house is like a mural. It's kind of cool. But, uh, we went in and, um, I would say maybe like three out of the 10 exhibits that we, that we visited were labeled as, uh, extremely sexually graphic content. Oh, um, no, I went, <laughs> If you want to bleep this part of the podcast, you can. I but will. I went in, and it was just a room um, with uh, luminescent uh, <laughs> hanging from the ceiling. Oh. In the shape of the Big Dipper. Um, oh. So that exhibit was like, that piece was, uh, it was about slavery. Um, what? I know. <laughs> and it like that's the thing is like, the when you read the like paper that they the pamphlet they gave you and you looked at it you go okay so the water running they they had this cool thing where water was running down the banister and like you put your hand in and like you were like kind of shocked that it was there and mm-hmm. I, I told phoebe later i was like it elicited a an emotional reaction from me i was i was shocked confused and kind of angry mm-hmm. and like that was the most powerful emotional experience that i had and i guess you could kind of say like shocked surprised angry i guess you could compare that to the atlantic slave trade but like can you 
you know, and 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 the the whole the whole yeah. like the reason why it was those things hanging from the ceiling was because apparently like the forced castration of slaves and the Big Dipper was um the way that they found their way north the the slaves escaping and then there was a, a mural that was um an adaptation of the Caravaggio painting Saint Thomas doubting Thomas's and she made he made Jesus black and it was a commentary on like white people inspecting black bodies and so like that was the commentary right and we read all of this on a pamphlet and mm-hmm. i was like you know what all of that together i'm on board like that's interesting um it sucks that i had to read the pamphlet yeah you know and like that's the that's the poverty of art now is that you need the explanation in order to actually get it and like that was a meaning that that was the only piece. I'm glad that we went. We were kind of like, I don't know about this because it said like you know sexually graphic content. I'm glad that we went because it was the only piece that made me think and made me you know kind of come out of myself. The others were just stuffed bears, taped to a wall, and statues of naked people. That not in the classic way, you know. It's just it was uh-huh. just here are human breasts on the wall, and it's like okay. Thanks. Thanks. When I saw pictures of the, when I saw pictures of the mattress factory online, I was like, okay, cool. That'd be interesting to see in person. And I'm like, you know what? I didn't need to see that in person. But when I see pictures of the marble statues at the Carnegie Art Museum, I'm like, I need to go see that in person. Right. And that's the same thing I feel when I look at like the streets of Paris, which is something that's not art. It's not public art, but it's artistic. But it also is. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's not it in a museum. It's just the city is right. a museum. Yeah. I think that there's a connection here between how obviously not all modern modern art is that kind of graphic, you know, but you do see this tendency more towards the shocking, the explicit, the political, you know, like the statue of David in Rome it's it's not a a red or blue statue you know like it's not (laughs) they're not trying to make a statement here you know the a lot of the the sistine chapel is like well the the statue of david the statue of david was looking in a specific direction specifically at a city Uh uh-huh for that exact purpose it was it was a commentary on that city I wouldn't say there's art that's devoid of political because they it was I forget what city I think it was Florence the statue of David was meant to be looking in the direction of Florence with like a glare as in like Florence is Goliath and David's gonna slay it and Um, I think yeah but I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say in like art has never been political that's obviously not true okay cool yeah but I'm saying art in the past hasn't needed that to make it exciting like even if you don't like I didn't know that about David but I'm still in in capture encapsulated by its the 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 handiwork by the artistry you know all of these things whereas if you had a collection of luminescent what have you phalluses yeah phalluses and then at the end you have to re- oh this was about slavery and then it's like oh okay i guess it makes sense now like there's it's it misses that element is what yeah. i'm trying to get at and i think that's partially a result of like we live in a world that has no art anywhere 
You can't go. Everybody says, oh, go downtown. There's this cool area. It usually means there's a bunch of nice, boring apartment complexes with a store that you can buy stuff that's way overpriced that white people feel safe going to. Like, it doesn't (laughs) actually mean that there's good art, you know? It doesn't actually mean that it's something that elevates your soul to, like, I'm going to go to this part of this city. Maybe that's just because I'm I'm in Oklahoma City and right now, and it's just kind of a boring-looking city. Um, It is interesting, though. On the way to... Tulsa's different. But on the way to the museum, yeah, anyway. we passed by a bunch of uh, row houses, these little like townhomes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I love this. Like the feeling that we got when we were in that part of town, I was like, I could come back here and walk down, you know, walk through. Yeah. It feel nice. And like, and it was actually that's... more artistic than yes. inside the art museum. That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a feeling. It's supposed to be some, something of the senses being elevated it's supposed to be something you can't exactly put your finger on it's like when you walk into those old houses and you're like there's something good about this you know there's something that i really like but i can't put my finger on it and i think that's in this article he's talking about losing that like what rationalism has uh taken away from us is well i have to have rationalism to understand the luminescent phalluses right because it's because otherwise there's no, there's no sense of mystery here. I mean, the, the mystery is why are these phalluses lighting up? But, yeah, I, I walked in. I was like, it's, it's penises. I like left the room and she was like, what? And I was like, it's just don't go in there. It's not. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? So and when like, you, I but felt when like you it, walk it, by like, those houses and when you walk into those old homes and when you're in these grand historic buildings, like even things in D.C., the Lincoln Memorial, the 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 White House, the Capitol building, there's some sense to it because those are very art. I would argue that they're more historic and artistic buildings than your average government building in the in the country. Oh yeah, there's something to it, and and so when you don't have that in your everyday life, you have to make something that's that's going to give you that, but only through a certain number of steps and only through a certain explicit means, and. I think that's where a lot of things fail, but sorry. I and I think it ahead. does damage to the subject matter itself because yeah. if I, like I walked in and I was like, okay, I like ridiculed it. And the subject matter was not something to ridicule. And so like, I'm left feeling like an idiot and like a bad person, you know, that's but what like, want Pat, <laughs> but it's like, even if I didn't understand the the importance of the statue of David, no one would look at David and say, oh, it's just a naked guy. You know, there's yes. still something beautiful about it. Yes. And I mean, even if you don't, even if you don't understand a cathedral, no one walks into a cathedral and says, oh, what What's it's just a big building. I don't get it. Who cares? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's that, that is something that art is missing now. And it's, it's almost laughable because there's like, I don't know if you've seen these TikToks where people are like, I saw this TikTok and I decided to try it myself. So I did this weird thing with paint and I, I put it on art auction website and I sold it for $23,000. And it's like, no, that that makes sense. I bet that some rich person would pay $23,000 for a splatter painting. Ugh. That's so weird. I feel in a lot of ways gypped. Yeah. <laughs> Not that, oh, I can't believe I was born in America and not in Europe, but in terms of we always assume that because we're further along that everybody before us was just an idiot, moron, dumb guy. Yeah, that's that's and that's liberalism. That's what liberalism, liberalism is. And I mean liberalism in the classical sense, not in yes. the left and right sense. Yes. Um, and 
and I just am I'm upset. And it's hard to put into words how much I desire to to live and breathe and raise children and have a family and worship God in a place, in a city, in a community, in buildings that are more than just functional. And I don't want to. I don't want to feel like a selfish person for saying that. I but there. But there's something about it. It's like, oh, you want really nice stuff. It's like even even if we just simplify this conversation to just the church, you know, like if we're just talking about church buildings and wanting church built. This is a conversation that a lot of people are more familiar with, maybe. So like, if I want to have a super nice, beautiful church, it's like, well, why do you need to have all of this stuff? Why? I mean, can't you just have a a, a nice alt, an altar and and an ambo and then some vestments and then you're good to go. You don't really need all that other stuff. And why are you being so traditionalist? Why are you being so all of this, that, and the other thing? Why can't you just accept what we have? Um, and I feel like that's a conversation that gets thrown around a lot, but I think it's a natural longing for us to want to desire beauty. Yeah. And we just were robbed of it in every other aspect of our lives. And I don't, I mean, what to do. Churches used to be shaped like crosses. Churches used to be shaped like crosses, and now what are they shaped like? Polygons. <laughs> and like you can't, you can't look at me and tell me that that's progress, and you can't look at me and tell me that that's not on purpose somehow. Like someone made that decision to be like, you know what? We don't need to shape it. Like we don't. A cross we don't need to shape it like a cross. Actually, I think the hemisphere design will be better. Yeah, I think that makes much more sense. I think I, we should make this church look like the Bean in Chicago. I went to a church today where the pews were curved. Like they were like, it's not, I mean, it's fine. I got to go to adoration. It was great because Jesus was there, but the pew Patrick was curved. <laughs> it was a curved <laughs> pew and just something about sitting in it. I was just like, ah, I feel gross sitting in this thing. That's kind of what this is for. It's kind of weird. Uh, it, man, there's, there's so much to talk about, but the, I got sent on this train of reading all this guy's stuff and kind of getting reinvigorated and re-inspired like i want architecture to be good so i bought a book on architecture it still hasn't got here yet but i'm gonna get it and i'm gonna read it because i want to learn about what's good and what's bad because half of the battle is the same thing with virtue in your own private life it's like half of the battle is getting rid of what's bad we don't even have to add what's good yet we just got to get rid of what's not good but i'm not a city planner i'm not a designer i'm not an architect yeah so I don't know how to, I mean, I can point at the things and say, this isn't good and this isn't good. And, and these are the things that are, that are good. But other than making a ton of money and building my own city, like the founder of Domino's in Ave Maria, <laughs> Florida, what, what can we do? Cause we're, we're, you and I, we're seeing this, we're seeing the lack of culture. We're seeing the lack of beauty we're seeing and it, and it affects our faith certainly. But I think what we ignore is that walking out of the church and walking down the street with a bunch of fast food restaurants and retail stores and businesses that are all designed the same as every other city in America, that's like killing us intellectually and spiritually and mystically and emotionally. All these things, it's, it's, it's reducing our capacity to live fully and live yeah. abundantly. But I can't just go knocking down the Chick-fil-A. You know, so like, what do I, what do we do? I don't know. I'm very, I'm very perplexed by all of this. I mean, I think 
part of it is like refusing to default to mass-produced culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, mass-produced culture is fine. It's not fine, but it's inescapable. I think that's yeah. the reality. And like, I think when, I don't know, like the other day, Phoebe and I were just like, oh, do you want to like watch a movie tonight? And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And so we like watched a movie and then we were going to bed and I was like, honey, I we had a date night tonight and I don't feel like I'm closer to you than I was before. And I'm, I wish we had just sat and talked instead of watching a movie. And so the next day we like spent the day together and went to a museum. It was fun. And I felt closer to her then because we were together. And despite the fact that it was kind of crappy, we weren't consuming multi, we weren't consuming mass produced culture. We were consuming bad culture, but we weren't consuming. At least it wasn't mass produced. You know, at least some of the people had talent. One of them, one of the people that produced the art was, um, was a was a transgender man who according to his placard was uh had a lifelong obsession with his body and sexuality and i was like my friend that's uh we i know what that is that's called lust and it's a vice and you got to work on that but uh anyway so we we consumed that which was not the best but Mm -hmm. then we came home and we were like i don't want to watch tv and so i pulled out my guitar and she and i just sang and played guitar together and it was and like we she's she's a very gifted singer like I'm pretty, I'm not bad, but we weren't <laughs> perfect and we messed up the songs a lot and it wasn't performance quality and we didn't sing them exactly like they sounded on the track on Spotify, but we played them like us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my professor talked about this. One of my professors talked about this too. He had a bunch of students over and they were like, can we sing? And he was like, yeah, sure. And so he played piano and he like sight read a bunch of hymns and they sang together and they That's didn't great. sound awesome, but they were like, this is, this is like a, an out of body experience. It's something that like, it lifts you up to God. And it's something that's just so much better than turning off your brain and letting yourself mm-hmm. be talked mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. by the big brother box. You know, it's just, we think at that at the end of the day, we need to just turn off our brains. Our yeah. brains weren't made to be turned off except for eight hours when you're asleep. You know, you're supposed to be recreating and this is one way to do it. It's not, you know, I mean, it's not wa- like watching television is just the biggest waste of time. There I is, think. there is a phenomenal quote about TV in this article um, on in praise of the gods because he talks about stories and about how stories build intuition and how building intuition and developing good stories makes uh, everything else so much more dynamic. And you need to have an education in myths and all these things. Very classic uh blog stuff but um he says here to sustain the amount of experience you need to develop intuition you must consume stories taken all manner of literature myths and fables in earlier times everyone had a mythological education more visual media does not have the same effect tv is so pernicious because like honor because unlike other storytelling mediums it never asks you to think it only asks for your attention this is this is basically what we were talking about all those years ago when we started doing like our media literacy episodes. Yes, but this guy's so much more uh, qualified than I am. He says words good. He says words better. Th- this is like the more I the, I like took a media. I took like a critical. It's like when you class. when you read Intermerifica that one time. That's all we talked about for two months. No, I was taking a class about it. Well, that too. Oh yeah, I was taking a class on yeah. on critical television viewing. Or no, yes. I took one my first semester of college. That's what it was. And then I was like, oh, 
TV is bad for you. (laughs) I was like, oh, TV is bad. Like, it's not good for you. And you shouldn't do it. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. It, it it stresses you out and it's like it's something that's very bad um and it's this the uh the effect that it has on just i don't know if i want to go into this go it do it there was a point there was a point in you know the 19 whatever's when mother angelica was like i think tv is demonic um mm-hmm. i was talking to i was talking to one matthew frad and uh, when were you talking to Matt Fred without? I was me? I was talking to Matt Fred like a couple of weeks ago, and he was just like he just looked at his phone and he was like, "I'm starting to think. T- I thought to, I'm starting to think cell phones are demonic." <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank you. And uh, I was like, you know what? Yeah, you're totally right. It is. And then I talked to him about Cal Newport, and he was like, "I've never heard of him." And I was like, "You should read Cal Newport." Uh, but yeah, so because I'm ever the Cal Newport apologist, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I think that cell phones are just going the same way as as. as television it's it doesn't ask you to think it just asks for your attention it's exactly what tiktok asks for it doesn't ask you to think it just asks for your attention and it knows that your attention is horrible so it's only going to give you one minute videos at a time and all of my middle schoolers are bouncing off the walls they can't they can't stop looking at their phones to talk about jesus for more than two seconds Mm mm-hmm Although I did, I did end up teaching them about the hypostatic union the other day, and I taught them about the intellect and the will, and they were very interested. I when you when you first lay the intellect, the will, and the passions on people who have never heard it before, they're like, "What?" It's like it's such a paradigm shift from what we've always been taught. It's so fun, but uh, I I want to go back to the to you and Phoebe with the guitar. Okay, yeah, sure. Because I think this is the the key. Jar Jar is the key to all of this, but you and the, Phoebe and the guitar is the key to a lot of this too. Um, we, the first episode of catching foxes, I'm so annoyed that like, this is the first episode that they did is don't just consume create. And that was the first thing that they talked about. Uh, I don't know why I remember that, but it's, it's when I started listening to them, it made me want to start this podcast. So it must've imprinted itself upon me somehow, but now having a girlfriend and us interacting often we enjoy watching movies together, but it does feel empty afterwards in some aspects. Like you can talk about the film and it can be enjoyable to share share that with each other. And I don't think that movies are bad. I think movies are probably the best visual media out there. Uh, better than TV shows, better than social media, better than YouTube. All Like movies are objectively the best one, um, except for maybe photography but that's and paintings. I don't know what visual media statues. is. Statues. You mean it's just statues. digital media. <laughs> digital. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank digital you. video media. Digital video media. Movies are the best. But I I don't like we like she wants to start to learn how to embroider and she wants to teach me how to embroider. I want to start learning how to sketch things and I want to, to share like because she does really good calligraphy handwriting stuff and I'm not very good at that. I want to learn how to be better at that. Um. I mean, reading is always good, but that's another way of consuming, but it is a way of consuming that makes you think. So we try to read more often, but then, but then thinking about the future, this is the last quote that I'll read from Simon Sarris. And this is from his medium article entitled, uh, are we still thinking, which is very good. It's, it's about the world's slow move from dialogue to media. And it, it literally is, it's so interesting about how it used to be the only way you would get news or information was by a conversation with somebody. And since the uh, 
huge inflation of one-way broadcast media we don't have that anymore and so it it takes makes everything politicized it's a very interesting article i think you'd really enjoy it patrick um but he has this line where he says to lay a single cobblestone path is to have more virtue than attending a hundred protests or sharing a thousand pretty articles petty articles not pretty articles a thousand petty articles through our response to our own and other acts of doing we may move slightly beyond the chatter to act in the world physically through your own hands and works is its own contemplation a primeval thinking worth relearning uh i love this and this is why i want to build my own house and not build it but i want to design it and ha- pay somebody to build it because i if i built my own house my family would not be safe but then <laughs> but then have land and learn how to build like a shed and then learn how to build a barn and then learn do how you want to have neighboring farms where we build a podcasting shed like on the border yes and absolutely I'll, I'll sit on my side and you sit on your side and then 20 years from now when we have a falling out we'll have a big national lampoon style battle over the over the shed to see who gets it <laughs> it'll um, be the demilitarized zone of our two exactly. properties <laughs> and our wives will just be sighing at at each other and shaking their heads as we're shooting slingshots of whipped cream at one another wearing be great. petticoats and, wearing, and tending yes. to our good yeah yes um but that's that's why i i know it's a lofty dream right i know it's a it's a crazy thing to say i want land and i would like to build things on the land because i know that requires money and i know that requires a lot of investment and how do you get your kids to school and do you homeschool and what if they're too sheltered and like there's lots of things right that go along with that let's just participate in this conversation right now yeah. i don't know how to build anything with my hands i don't know how to make any music with my hands i don't know how also, to do being anything too sheltered is not the problem that children are having today i i agree with you i was just preempting uh responses yeah uh, I don't know how to make anything myself other than a podcast, which barely counts as creating. It's <laughs> We're just having a conversation and we happen to know how to use Audible. People text me all the time and say, how do I start a podcast? Look it up. It's it's really not hard. But we, like, did, people, we figured it out and we were little kiddos. We, people, people don't even know how to start podcasts these days, let alone how to build a building. And it's, I just would, oh. So this is the last thing I'll say about Simon Saris, and you'll never have to hear about him again. I sent him an Instagram DM and invited him on the podcast. He didn't respond. Uh, But he built his own house with his wife, and he just talks about how farmers for the longest time could build their own barn because they knew architectural patterns, and they understood, like, every barn had similarities, but they could use the materials around them, and it would be their own. It would be a creative work because they had to use what they had. And... I, I don't even know where to begin. I don't know any of the patterns. I don't know how to build anything, I, let alone how to even hold a saw. And that's nobody's fault necessarily, but it's I feel like it's just a part of my humanity that's just been taken away from me. Like that side of creativity, that side of being able to work the soil, like in Genesis chapter 2, has just been removed from my being as a man, especially. Mm-hmm. Maybe women yeah. don't feel this as much, but I, I feel like they do when it comes to things like making clothes for your own children, cooking and baking for your family with like things that you have on your property, uh, making things like bowls and cups and spoons and that kind of things that your family uses. Like I feel like women are attracted to that sort of thing as well. It's not just guys. And so that's where I'm kind of like landing. Like that's where I want my future to go. I just don't know how on earth I'm going to get there, but I want to get there somehow. But I live in a a city. So it's it's also – one of the issues is that, like it adds to the dichotomy of like homemaking for 
homemaking used to just be a thing that their families did. Like it wasn't really a gendered thing, but it's become that because all of the all of the things that like in Proverbs thirty one it talks about like like women would work with their hands all the time. Yes. In like making clothes and like making fixing up the house and stuff like that and the men would just be outside making things like women would be making things inside guys would be making things outside not there was much difference inside was basically also outside with a roof <laughs> you know it's just and, outside was probably required more functional strength than the inside tasks and so the man just did it because did it, yeah that's the difference between men and women is and like the upper body strength and until until that one time when uh, the corporations decided to invent feminism so they could pay men less, and I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, no, so until until the corporations figured out a way to not pay either either person a living wage and instead make you have to both work so that you can live, um, there was just you know guys going the the it turned from making things with your hands to like, you know, the guy would go and just work at a desk and bring home a paycheck, you know, and that's like so much less rewarding than Mm -hmm. going out in the field. I mean, there's not much you can do about it. You can't really turn back the clock, but I think one of the biggest questions that we haven't answered and don't have time to is how do we recreate this world within the, within the, within the foundations that have already been built by our evil forefathers. Um, Yeah. And that's something that, I talk, I've talked a lot about new polity. That's something that new polity talks about is like liberalism began with revolutions. Like the, the, this, a series of revolutions that began with the reformation and in our, in our terms ended with the American revolution. It's just revolution after revolution after revolution. I mean, the French revolution was important and the industrial revolution and the scientific revolution, all these revolutions, right? It's like, we're going to overthrow the old order and we're going to bring in new order. Um, we can't act like that as Catholics because that's just liberalism. That's Catholic. We have to we have to shape the order, because Christ came into a sucky order too, you know. Roman men could you know have their wives Subjugate. sold into prostitution, oh, yeah. you know. Like Christ didn't Christ wasn't like I'm going to overthrow the government. He was like I'm going to work in it, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the Roman government didn't seem like much of a problem anymore after a couple thousand couple hundred years. But well, uh, you, they you all also died first. Remember, you also got to remember Israel uh, and Egypt too. I mean. Working within that framework looked like sending a bunch of locusts t- and <laughs> killing killing a bunch of children until the people were allowed to leave. So it's not a, leave, it's, yeah. it is not a one size fit all. But I get I see what you're saying too. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how to respond to that. I'm, I don't I'm trying either. to think. I'm trying to think if that analogy holds. I don't think it does. My analogy or your analogy? Your analogy. Why not? Because the it's God's God stepping in, there's a yeah. there's a problem. His people need to be saved. He does not work within the framework of the Egyptian society, you know. Well, yeah, he doesn't they, work within the framework of the of the Roman society either. But he doesn't overthrow the government in a in a huge societal revolution. That's what I yeah. mean. Okay, I, I yeah, see what he you're doesn't. He, he's he, not like he's not he like uses, I'm going to overthrow. Yeah. He uses potentially violent-looking means to extricate his people from slavery, which is different than revolution. I agree. Yeah, with that. and it's and it, I, I think what you're saying. I think that the the comparisons are comparable because both I guess both Egypt and Rome considered their leader to be a god, and we also consider our president to be a demigod. So at least we we act like it because we you know if you vote for the other one, you're basically Satan. 
So that can only mean that if you vote for the other one, you're an angel, right? I mean, that's how we treat each other. We can't yeah. pretend like it's not. Anyway, you want to go to Dr. Ethan's dating corner? I do. I just wanted to say, I don't think that the Benedict option is the solution to all of this. And I, I don't want people to listen to this and be like, oh, all we have to do is just separate ourselves from the culture. I think that's wrong. I, I, there's got to be another way, a more virtuous way. Um, so that's, I wanted to leave with that to make sure that people weren't thinking that we were advocating for the Ben op because it has yeah, good we're ideas. And we're, we're taking some from that, but I don't think it's totally and completely the right idea. We got to talk to uh, Brandon McGinley about the Ben op because he and I had a good conversation about it when we met. We got to talk to it. I want to talk to more people. Where'd you go? Hello? I'm here. I'm here. Hey. Oh, sorry. Hey, how hey. you doing? Let's do Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner. All right, you came to the right place, you ding dong. It's called communication, baby. <laughs> cool, we got a bunch on our Instagram. You can go on Instagram at what? the Crunchcast on Instagram and you can DM us. A Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner, if you want. I know not everybody's into email these days. That's true. Okay, so more this people, one comes from... What? Hello? I was just saying more people are probably on Instagram than on email. <laughs> you have to have an email. Never mind. Is that so, true? <laughs> yeah, you do. You can say the fir- my first name, but not my last name. This comes from Mark. Shout out, Mark. Dr. Ethan, my girlfriend of over three years, starting my sophomore year and her junior year of high school. We broke up, and as most people do, we had promised that we would always try to remain friends. And we renewed that promise when we broke up that we would remain friends. About a week later, I texted her to see how she was, and we talked. And then almost two months later, she has not reached out. To be honest, this hurts a lot. My question is, was I foolish to believe that we would be different than anyone else? Or does she want space for now? P.S. I'm a big fan, and Ethan and I agree that college life and college ministry is a struggle in these uncertain times. He put that in like the SpongeBob up case, down case quote. In uh-huh. uncertain times. Thank uh-huh. you both so much. Love, Mark. He didn't say love, but I feel like he wanted to. All right. Mark, yes, you are foolish. <laughs> Can I please have the next question? <laughs> <laughs> Tell him why. Because you can't just go from intimately sharing your life with somebody in a in a way that's preparing for marriage to sharing your life with somebody in a way that's not preparing for marriage without some kind of distance being created. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like two months is a very long time, probably to you, but it it probably will take a year at least before things go back to semi normal friendship zone. Because the only reason the only reason why couples on TV break up and they're friends in a couple more episodes is because their contracts haven't run out. <laughs> it's because the season's only halfway over. Because <laughs> it's because it's, it's sweeps week, and we need to make sure that we get renewed. Yeah, we got to keep sweeping. We got to keep. We got to sweep the set, right? That's what it is. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you want me to hit you with another one? Yeah, please. Sorry, okay. Mark. It's just the you answered your own question. It's like, yeah, you're being naive. Uh, you just need more time. I'm sorry. Yeah. Not a lot of comedy there. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Best advice I ever got is like, you know, you said you said it yourself. Like everybody, you thought, you know, you said that you're going to remain friends, but you didn't. Uh, if ever, Best advice I ever received, if everyone at the party is telling you you're drunk, it's time to go home. That's the rule. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> I have a huge crush on this girl I met two years ago. Here we were high we school go. seniors. 
Yeah. I really think that she and I would be great together. We've been to a couple of dances together, but she thinks she's called to the religious life. She also thinks this means she can't even try dating. I've told her how I feel. She says she has the same feelings, but she doesn't what? want to pursue these feelings. So she has the same feelings, but she doesn't want to pursue them uh-huh. because she wants to do what God wants. Okay. Should I hold on to hope that she isn't actually called to the religious life and try to tell her that part of discernment is trying both things? Or should I let go and let her do her own thing? Thanks, Dr. Ethan and Nurse Patrick. I, reg- I resent this. <laughs> you know Why? what? No, it's I'm glad to be a nurse. Nurses oh. are heroes, okay? Heroes work here. Shout out, Emma. Shout out, Emma. Every time we drive by a sign that says heroes work here, I, I nudge her and I say, that's you. And she goes, uh-huh. That's why they're paying me so well, right? <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite quotes from Community is when, uh, back to TV, uh, there's a nurse who's like trying to tell Jeff that you, you can't go back there, sir. He's like, oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do to stop me? Do twice as much of the work as a doctor for half the pay? <laughs> and walks around. And she's like, thank you. <laughs> That's funny. It's true, though. Uh, pray for nurses. So you have two options the way I see it. Option number one is ask her out. If she says no, you just move on. You, you can't force her to do anything. Option number two is a bit more enticing, and I think you'll like it, Patrick. Here we go. <laughs> she's She's looking for a sign from God. Is she not? I think you can give her one. How does God speak to people in the Bible, Patrick? Through a burning bush. Through a burning bush. What else? Pillar of cloud. What else? Fire. F- okay, and? The sky. There you go. Okay. I was thinking, I, we. it's hard, much harder to simulate. <laughs> Set a, a bush pillar, on fire. <laughs> a pillar of cloud and a burning bush than it is to simulate the sky, because we do, in fact, have the sky all the time. So, <laughs> you have to make it sound like God is talking to this girl from the sky now i'm not saying impersonating god because that would be silly what i am saying is you figure out a way to crawl into her house's ductwork and speak to <laughs> her from the vents and say barbara it's god you need to date rico what's his name i already deleted the- all right adam adam you need to date adam rico He's going to be the perfect guy for you. I don't want you to go to the convent right now. Unless, of course, you think you need to. And then, <laughs> or you could just play that. That You could clip that, that audio and just play it right through her vents. And then you have to figure out some way to get out of the vents without her hearing it. Because as we all know from that Mythbusters episode, vents are loud when you're crawling through them as an adult <laughs> male. So either, either God has lost a bit of his sneaky factor or she's going to find out that it's you. So you got to play that card somehow. Even with all socks and sweats on? Well, it's not like you're sliding. It's like you have to crawl, and every time you take a step, it's... It's just ridiculous. <laughs> what do you think, Pat? Uh, I think that your advice is completely sound. May I add something? You said, um, do I do what, this or that? Do I... Uh, what is that? Well, it was, it was, do I hold on to the hope that she isn't called and try to tell her that part of the sermon is trying both things or should I let go and let her do her thing? Um, you listed three things. I think you should do numbers one and three, but not number two. Uh, hold on to the hope. Sure. If she likes you, go ahead. 
I don't think you should tell her, hey, you know, part of discernment is trying both things. Because that's going to sound like you're trying to get her to date you, and you are. um, And that doesn't go well. You can't convince someone to date you. This is important. You should learn this. Um, Let her go. And here's the thing. You're right. Am I wrong? Adam Rico, you've never been more right. Like, you're not wrong. Let me just say it. Let me say it that way then. It, she she wants to, she has feelings for you. She needs to get over herself and go on a date with you is what she needs yeah. to do. Like you're, she has for, feelings for, once, for you. The guys are she not normally right on this podcast, but the guy is right in this yeah. case. She's like, I want to, I have feelings for you, but I want to do what God wants. And it's like as if her desires are not placed there by God, you know? Um, now in high school, those, that, those words should be taken with a grain of salt, but I I think, I think she should get over, she should get over it and go on a date with you. It's like, I think, I think there's, I think there's pressure, especially if you happen to be in a youth group that is very youth groupy, there's Mm -hmm. pressure to figure out that you're called to religious life before you're a senior in high school, you know, and and that's just not the case. So in fact, most religious, (laughs) most convents want you to have a college degree beforehand. So anyway, uh, yeah, you can't tell her that though. You need to just let her figure it out. And don't be like, I'll wait until you figure it out. Like, if she isn't, if she isn't, just move on. Whatever you do, if she comes to you and says, hey, I think we should give this thing a shot, don't say, well, I didn't even crawl into your vents yet. Don't say that. <laughs> She's going to think that's weird. <laughs> Especially if she doesn't listen to this podcast. She might call the police, and then you'll be in, you'll be in your own convent. It's called jail. So... <laughs> Good luck with that, Adam Rico. All right, I think I think and that does it. That's a podcast, baby. I think that does it for the day, man. This is good. I'm glad I'm we got to record before Thanksgiving. Sleepy. Me too. I'm glad we got to record at all after last week's Debacle. absentee ballot. Uh, I wasn't on the show, but hey, we're back. Thanksgiving turkey turkey time. But gotta gotta eat a lot of food and watch the big game with everybody. Yeah, very excited we watch to watch game. the Bears play the Lions on. Wait, Thursday. hold on, hold on, hold on. The other day, Phoebe thought the Super Bowl was played on Thanksgiving. Can I talk <laughs> about that for a second? <laughs> it reminded oh, me of that John Mulaney bit where his wife thought that the Last Supper was the first Thanksgiving. I love that. That's really good too. All right. Um, Since I man. just exposed my wife, I guess we're done. Uh, you okay. can go to thecrunchcast.com. Please you can check out a required reading list for all the books that you're required to read to listen to this podcast. We're going to add Before Church and State to it. And uh, that sucks because it's an academic history book. So you guys can have a tough time with that one. Is it really tough to read? Will I not be able to understand it? Well, there's a lot of big words, but you'll probably get it. It's fine. Can I just have a dictionary? That's what I like about reading on the... I've recently got the Overdrive app and I rent books, ebooks via the library. Um, Mm -hmm. and I can get them on my Kindle app. And if there's a word that I don't know, like today I learned the word, hold on. Um, wait for it. I learned the word. I learned the word copacetic today. Interesting. Yes. I know that word. It means, uh, uh, let me just look it up again. It means everything's... (laughs) (laughs) means everything's going good it means everything's in excellent order everything's copacetic wow and i and i would have never have learned that word had i not used the kindle app and looked it up because it's a there's a dictionary function on in the app so maybe i'll get before church and state in the kindle yeah it's gonna be great 
uh, I'm going to put all of Simon Saris's blog posts that I referenced in this podcast. You should read all of his stuff because um, he's got a great view on things, and I really like it. Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? Burn your cell phone as fast as you possibly can. Just don't don't ask any questions. Don't text your family goodbye. Just find a fire, the nearest fire, and put it in. <laughs> this is like those Vietnam War protests, but, but different. <laughs> We're going to burn our draft cards, but instead we're going to burn our Twitter accounts. Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you, and we will see you all next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.